Hi, this is Philip Holland, host of Hope for the Day. I'm so excited that you are listening and you have this to look forward to from today's message. Our workplaces are mission fields where we can serve others, okay? They're not wasted spaces. They're not things we just have to suffer through until retirement. They're mission fields for us to serve those that God has placed in our care. Welcome to Hope for the Day with Pastor Philip Holland. Mark chapter 10, verse 45 says, The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. In the same way that Jesus' purpose was a life of service, so is our life meant to be characterized by service as well. We are called to place others' needs, interests, and wants ahead of our own, but that can be hard to do. We wonder if our service is making a difference. We wonder if anyone cares that we are serving, and we wonder if we have enough energy to keep serving. Those are just a few of the reasons why serving others can be difficult to do, but God still calls us to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. In today's sermon, Pastor Philip is going to encourage us to do just that as we embrace a life of service. Please enjoy the message. So as Phil said, we're continuing on finishing our sermon series on serving other people. We've talked about what it looks like to serve other people at church. We've talked about what it looks like to serve other people even when we're tired uh, or frustrated. And today we're going to talk about serving other people in the workplace at our jobs. So here in America, we are very accustomed to defining who we are based on what we do. We might meet somebody new and say, well, hey, well, what do you do? And we respond by saying, I'm, am, I am an accountant or I'm a police officer. It's who I am, okay? In fact, we are so used to this that sometimes we can even tell what somebody does for work just by looking at them. I'll show you what I mean, okay? I'm gonna throw up a series of pictures here and I want you guys to shout out what you think that person does for work, okay? Make sense? Pretty simple to start out here. What does this person do for work? Construction, yes, pretty obvious with the vest and the hat and the hammer there. Good, all right, number two here. What does this person do for work? A judge, yeah. Got the black robe, those gorgeous books in the background. Good job. You guys are crushing it. Let's move on. Number three, what does this person do for a job? Farmer, that's right. Has anybody actually ever seen a field of crops before? Yes, I'm from Nebraska. They're all over the place. Field of corn right here. Good job. All right, this guy, what does he do for a job? Quarterback, this guy plays a game for a job and gets paid a lot of money for it. He also happens to play for the greatest NFL team there is. Sorry about it, Juan. (laughs) Better than the Saints. I don't know why I'm picking on Juan today, but anyways, truth is truth. All right, and then we have this guy. Anybody know what that guy does for a job? I mean, it's kind of hard to play basketball. (laughs) I like it. Yeah, you know, it's kind of hard to tell based on the way he's dressed, maybe a comedian or an actor, magician of sorts, maybe a pastor, I don't know. Now we're able to tell these things because work is such a big part of all of our lives. At times our work is very frustrating uh, part of our lives, okay? We've all had this type of scenario play out with our jobs in some way, shape, or form. You've got a big week of work, you hate going back into the office every single day, Maybe you have a long commute, the office smells bad, you've got hard deadlines due that week, you've got a demanding and unforgiving boss, you work with somebody that you'd honestly prefer to just run over with your car, what are you supposed to do with that? 
Work is hard at times and there's no way around it, but what are we supposed to do when those moments come? Are we just supposed to give up on the idea of ever having an enjoyable job? Are we just supposed to suffer through our jobs until we get to retirement? The reality is work is a necessary and important part of every single one of our lives. In fact, it's not just a part of our lives, it's actually a very big part of our lives. And I'll show you what I mean, okay? I got a little chart here for you, okay? A little math, let's wake up the brain this morning, okay? There are 160, 168 hours in a 24-hour, seven-day week, okay? Now, if you subtract eight hours for each of those seven days for sleep, which, let's be honest, who actually gets eight hours of sleep every single night? Some people do? Okay, well, I don't. I got some, I got some things to work on. If you subtract those hours, there are 112 hours left of waking hours, so to speak, in any given week. If we assume that somebody works a normal sort of 40 hour a week job, then we can tell based on this chart that they are spending the greatest percentage of their waking hours at their job more than any other category there is, whether that's time at home, your days off, the commute, things like that. So why do I bring this up? Okay, I get it, not everybody's job is like this, but this is a reality for a lot of us. And if this is true, and if we are spending the greatest percentage of our waking hours at our jobs, then we don't want them to be things that we just suffer through until retirement. We want them to be opportunities for us to work hard and to be responsible with what God has given us, okay? Now let's clarify something here before we move on for, the sec for a second. Some of you are probably sitting here thinking this, okay? Hey David, this sounds great and all, but I'm just a whatever, okay? There's no such thing as a just job, and here's what I mean by that, okay? Some of you might be thinking, well, this talk of work is great and all, but I'm just a stay-at-home mom. I don't have a job. Or maybe you're thinking, hey, I'm just a dishwasher at a restaurant. I don't have, like, a real job. Or maybe you're thinking, hey, I just, I'm just part-time at Starbucks or part-time somewhere else. I don't have a full-time job. Maybe you're sitting here this morning thinking, hey, I'm just in between jobs right now. I don't really have one. I know that there are a lot of you in here thinking this, hey, I'm just retired, I don't have a job anymore. Or maybe you're a student in here and you're thinking, I don't have a job because I have to focus on all my schoolwork, okay? There's no such thing as a just job. We need to redefine how we understand our jobs, understand what work is to better help us understand how we can serve others in our workplace. Okay, there's a really cool online ministry called Got Questions that I love to use a lot personally and as a pastor, and they define work this way. Work is the way that we provide for our basic needs and help other people. I really like that definition because that doesn't necessarily mean that we have to get a paycheck for whatever we do for our jobs. We're just doing it to provide for our basic needs and help other people. So that's a helpful definition. I also really like this definition from a super smart, world-renowned and respected theologian and scholar named David Postier. And I like to think of work this way. Kidding, of course. Work is whatever God has given us primary responsibility over to serve and provide those for those around us. Okay, whatever God has given us primary responsibility over to serve and provide for those around us. So if you're just a stay-at-home mom here this morning, you have been given primary responsibility to care for, nurture, and love those beautiful children that God has blessed you with. Okay, if you're just a retired person here this morning, you have been given primary responsibility over a freed-up schedule where you can serve those around you with that extra time. 
If you're just a student in here this morning, you've been given primary responsibility for your schoolwork and to do it in a way that honors God and blesses those around you, okay? There's no such thing as a just job. Whoever you are, whatever you do for work, understand that as your job, as your workplace, where God wants you to serve those around him. So with all of that background information on work in front of us, we're gonna spend the rest of our time talking about how we can practically serve other people in our workplaces, okay? So if you're following along with notes or you've got a journal or something, this is the big idea that we wanna keep in mind in everything that we're talking about this morning. So if you forget anything and everything else I said, that's fine. Remember this, this is key, okay? Our workplaces are mission fields where we can serve others, okay? Our workplaces are mission fields where we can serve others, okay? They're not wasted spaces. They're not things we just have to suffer through until retirement. They're mission fields for us to serve those that God has placed in our care. That's our big idea. Now we're gonna talk about three biblical realities about work that help us understand this idea to be true. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. Our mission is to offer you hope through Christ-centered biblical preaching. We certainly hope this broadcast is doing just that for you today. You might not know this, but each of these sermons are recorded live at Valley View Christian Church in the Denver metropolitan area. If you live in the city, we would love to meet you in person. We offer Sunday services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have programming for children of all ages, dynamic worship, plenty of opportunities to get connected beyond Sundays, outreach initiatives, and much, much more. And do you want to know why we do all that we do? Because so much of our church leadership has had their life changed by a local church. Because it is here that we met Jesus, and He changed our lives. And we want Jesus to change your life as well. So attend a service at Valley View Christian Church. We'd love to meet you personally. We're located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85, Santa Fe. You can go to our church's website, valleyviewcc.com, for more information. Now let's get back to our program. Biblical reality number one, God created work. God created work, okay? A lot of us are tempted to think of work as a bad thing, if we're being honest with ourselves. We tend to think that work might be like the results of the fall, that because sin entered the world, now we have to do work. The thing is, though, God actually created work before sin ever entered the world. Let's check out how that's true. Genesis chapter one, we're told this. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. In other words, God tells people, get to work. Go do stuff in this world that I created. And later in Genesis chapter two, verse 15, we're told this. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to what? To work it and to take care of it. Okay, and the really interesting thing about this verse is that that word work in Hebrew can and sometimes is translated as serve. And so already at the very beginning of creation, we see this close connection between our work being service. Service towards God, service towards those that he has placed in our care. Now remember, sin hasn't entered the story yet. Okay, that doesn't happen until Genesis chapter three. We've only looked at Genesis one And two, no temptation, no evil, no sin, just good, honest work. God created work. Now later in Genesis chapter three, we see the way that 
our sin has negatively affected uh, our work. It says this, this is God talking. To the woman he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. To Adam he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree, cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. So here, from these verses, we see the way that our work is negatively affected by sin. Painful toil, thorns and thistles, the sweat of our brow. Translation for our uh, modern language would be, this is why delays happen at work. Why red tape exists. Why you have bad bosses, why you hate people that you work with, why we get fired, things like that. So our work is negatively affected by sin, but we need to understand that work is a pre-fall blessing given to us by God, not a post-fall curse. So our connection to our big idea this morning from this first biblical reality is this. In order to see our workplaces as mission fields where we can serve others, we must first recognize that God created work as good. Yes, it has its challenges. Yes, our work has its frustrations, but at its created core, work is a good thing given to us by God himself. God created work. That's our first biblical reality this morning. Second biblical reality about work this morning is this, that God modeled work. Okay, God modeled work. He didn't just create work. He also modeled it for us in so many different ways. Let's go back to the first couple of chapters of Genesis, okay? Very first verse of the Bible, check this out. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And again, in Genesis chapter two, it says this. By the seventh day, God finished from the work he had been doing. So the seventh day, he rested from all his work. So God modeled work for us when he created this world that we live in, okay? God's work in creating everything in existence wasn't just some magical thing that he did. It was hard and intentional creative work on God's part. You know, I remember having a conversation with a friend that I went to high school with uh, who was very artistically gifted. Uh, This girl was really good at drawing and painting and sketching like that. And I um, I remember her talking one time about how sad she was that the Bible didn't talk about art all that much. There weren't very many Bible verses that referenced art, painting, sketching, things like that. And she was really sad about this. And so she sat out on a quest to search for more Bible verses that talked about art to bring her some encouragement. So she goes to Google, she searches for art, uh, verses about art in the Bible. And you know what the very first verse at the top of the list was? Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God is an artist and his work of creation is his masterpiece. It was deliberate and intentional work that he modeled for us, not just some magical thing that he did. So we see that God models work for us at the very beginning of creation, but we also have several other examples of how God modeled work for us in a little bit more of like a, a practical or earthly way that a lot of us can understand, all right? First of all, we have Jesus himself, okay? Jesus when he was growing up, lived in a town called Nazareth. After he launched his public ministry and came back home to visit uh, and kind of teach and stuff, some people who knew him and his family as a little boy growing up made this comment about him. Isn't this the carpenter's son? 
Isn't his mother's name Mary, and aren't his brothers James and Joseph, Simon and Judas? Later in the book of Mark, the same group of people actually referred to Jesus himself as the carpenter. So Jesus was a part of the family business. He was a carpenter, his father was a carpenter, he worked a blue collar job to provide for his basic needs and serve those around him. Now, as a quick aside, we are often uh, times just so used to thinking of Jesus as a carpenter because that's what tradition tells us and that's how this word has been translated for the longest time. Here's something interesting though. This word for carpenter can also be translated as stonemason or builder, craftsman of sorts. And in fact, in ancient Israel and in ancient Nazareth specifically, there wasn't a whole lot of wood around and most buildings were actually made of stone, not wood. In fact, outside of the city of Nazareth was a large rock quarry just a few miles outside of town. So while it's certainly possible that Jesus at time worked with wood, it's also probably just as likely that he worked with stone, cutting stone, building uh, houses or large government buildings, things like this. Whatever Jesus did specifically for work, we can't ultimately know, but it is important to know that he had a regular normal job in which he was able to provide for his basic needs and serve those around him, whether that was his family or his customers. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. We hope this message has been an encouragement to you. I know it has been to others. I recently received a message from a listener of ours who said, thank you for these messages on Hope for the Day. It is encouraging and refreshing to hear biblical-centered teaching that continually points people to Christ. This is one of the several notes that I've received from people that are blessed by our program. That is why we want to continue this program on the radio, but that can only happen through the generous contributions of listeners like yourself. If you'd like to partner with us financially, just go to Valley View Christian Church's website, valleyviewcc.com, and then click on the gift tab there. Once you click on the tab, just designated gift to go to the radio ministry of Hope for the Day. Your gift would be an incredible blessing to this ministry. And as always, we want to meet you personally as well. That is why if you live in the Denver metropolitan area, we want to extend an invitation to you to visit us in person at one of our Sunday services, 9 and 1030 a.m. If you do, please introduce yourself to me, Philip Holland. I'd love to meet you. Now let's get back to the program. So Jesus models work for us in a very practical, earthly way. So did his apostles. Look at all these other examples we have about work from those who follow Jesus. Peter, Andrew, James, and John, four of Jesus' closest 12 disciples, all worked as fishermen. That was their job. That was the family business at the time. Matthew, another one of Jesus' 12 closest disciples, worked as a tax collector. In other words, he was a government official. That was his job, so to speak. And the apostle Paul, who is responsible for over half of the books of our New Testament, worked as a tent maker to supplement his missions work. He was traveling all over the Mediterranean area preaching the gospel. That was his main job, you could say, but he supplemented that work by making tents for people and selling them, okay? So we have all these other examples of what it looks like to serve other people in our workplaces without having to be some type of super religious person. In other words, what I mean is all these examples show us that you don't have to work on staff at a church, you don't have to be a full-time missionary, okay? You don't have to work in some type of sacred job in order to be effective in your workplaces, serving others and sharing the gospel. We tend to think in this world of things that are secular versus things that are sacred, and we say, 
Secular things are sports and fashion and music trends or things like that, but then we have the sacred world. We have churches, Bibles, worship music. It's a false reality, though, because there is no such thing as sacred versus secular. Why? Ephesians 1.22 teaches us that all things in creation have been subjected to the authority of Christ, and therefore, because of that, we can consider all things to be sacred or in control by Christ himself. I love how the great German theologian Martin Luther from the 1500s talks about this idea. Check out this quote. He says this, there's no true basic difference between laymen and priests, princes and bishops, uh, between religious and secular. They are all of the spiritual estate. All are truly priests, bishops, and popes. Further, everyone must benefit and serve every other by means of his own work or office, so that in this way, many kinds of work may be done for the bodily and spiritual welfare of the community, just as all members of the body serve one another. So through our regular jobs, so to speak, we can serve other people knowing that whatever it is you do for work, whatever it is that you are spending the greatest percentage of your waking hours doing, you can consider that sacred, holy work that God has given you to do, to serve those around him. Here's a, couple, or here's a verse uh, that talks about this and shows this reality to be t- true. Colossians 3, 23 to 24. So whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, because it is the Lord Christ you are serving, okay? 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says that, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So whatever you do for work, barring the fact that you're not doing something illegal or immoral, know that that is sacred, holy work that God has given you to do to serve those around you. Connection to our big idea this morning. In order to see our workplaces as mission fields where we can serve others, we must understand that God and the apostles did that very thing through their normal, regular jobs. And if God can do it, if the apostles can do it, you can do it too through the power of the spirit that he empowers you with. So God created work, God modeled work for us in so many different ways, and our third biblical reality this morning is this, that God redeems our work. God redeems our work. This is where it's important for us to remember, as we just talked about, that work was created as a good thing by God before sin entered the world. And we need to remember that work is the thing that we're spending the greatest percentage of our waking hours doing. So we don't want it to be something that we just suffer through into retirement. Instead, we want to see our work, our workplaces, and all of their frustrations as redeemed opportunities by God to serve other people. Here in America, we are so used to the idea of Jesus dying on the cross for our personal salvation. And that is absolutely true. Jesus died for our sins so that we can live in a redeemed relationship with himself, both in this life and in the life to come. The thing, though, is that Jesus' work on the cross did so much more than that. Jesus' work on the cross set in motion a complete recentering of the created order back to the way that God originally intended it to be in the Garden of Eden. Christ's work on the cross then redeems the broken aspects of our world that are affected by sin. And for our conversation of, about work this morning and serving other people, we could say this, that 
Christ's work on the cross redeems our work in this life. Christ's work on the cross provides our work with new significance and new purpose. Christ's work on the cross gives our work new meaning, new life, new significance, and new purpose. This means that we can look at all those broken, frustrating aspects of our jobs with new eyes. We can see them as opportunities given to us by God to serve those around him, share the gospel, glorify God in the process. Not wasted opportunities, not things to suffer through. Well, David, that sounds great and all. What does that look like? I mean, what am I supposed to do in my daily work uh, to apply this stuff to my life? Well, it's gonna look different for every single one of you depending on your context, uh, uh, depending on your situation. But it might look something like this. Maybe the way that you serve a, a, a coworker is by asking that stressed coworker how you can help lighten their load that day. You know they're busy. You've got a few extra minutes. Maybe you do more than your boss asks you to do because you know it's gonna help them out and it'll help the business run smoothly. Maybe some way that you can serve your coworkers is by staying later than you normally would just to straighten things up, clean them up so it looks nice for the next day. Maybe you surprise a coworker with their favorite coffee drink. To learn more about this sermon, sermon series, or other messages, please visit our church's website at valleyviewcc.com. You can also find these radio segments on the Hope for the Day, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Valley View Christian Church is located just south of Highlands Ranch off of Highway 85, Santa Fe. We provide services at 9 and 10.30 a.m. every Sunday. This broadcast is made possible through generous contributions of listeners like you. If you'd like to partner with us financially, just go to our church's website and then click on the gift tab there. We look forward to having you join us again next time on Hope for the Day.